0: House prices seem to have gone nuts all of a sudden.
1: Yeah, they certainly have. And unit prices are going up as well, but not by as much.
0: And in some places they're actually going down, I believe.
1: Yes, in some places they are going down, you know, in areas where there's an oversupply. Okay,
0: Mm. well, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about something that's come up on the Flat Chat Forum about whether or not your owners' corporation can make donations to campaigns.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: And we'll be talking about an old chestnut about whether owners' corporations have a duty to act on their bylaws. Mm. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the Flat Chat column for the Australian Financial Review.
1: And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for Domain.
0: And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. Okay, so you've been keeping an eye on house prices, part of your many duties writing for Domain.
1: Yes, that's right. It's been kind of quite hard to keep your eye on them all the time because they're moving so quickly.
0: It's kind of surprising, isn't it, that we're, you know, we've just come out of this, so we haven't even properly come out of the the Yeah, that's right. pandemic.
1: Mm. But we just seem to be valuing our homes so much more now. I mean, most, most of us are now working from home a lot more. Time in lockdown has allowed us to look at our houses and homes and apartments and think, what do we need? We need more space. Are we thinking of relocating? And kind of actually spending a period of thinking about what we want out of life.
0: And what effect is this having on apartments?
1: It's interesting because house prices, as you so rightly say, have gone up enormously. Apartment prices have generally gone up as well, but by nowhere near as much. So it does mean with a growing gap between prices between houses and apartments, more and more people are having to look at buying apartments when maybe once they would have wanted to go and buy houses. So there's going to be a lot more new people moving into apartments, right? Because you know it makes financial sense as well as you know we we kind of all really adore the apartment lifestyle. Some of these people have never lived in apartments before, so they don't really they're not really in a position to be able to appreciate that. Yeah. But they're they're looking in terms of finances. And when you look at the um, Sydney median house price now, it's hit a new record, 1.31 million, which is incredible. And um, the unit median is now 754,000. So last year, houses cost, on average, 55% more than apartments. This year in Sydney, They cost 74% more than apartments. Isn't that incredible?
0: Right, right. So that's a 25% jump, or depending on how you calculate your percentages. (laughs) Yeah, sure. But, I mean, I was reading the other day that the amount of money that's being borrowed is higher than it's ever been obviously, to finance all these purchases.
1: That's right, because money is cheaper than it's ever been. There's so many records. I mean, we have record historic low um, interest rates. So if you have a bit of access to money or access to mum and dad's bank account, why not buy a house at the moment or buy an apartment at the moment? Because... Money will never be this cheap again.
0: Well, that's, that's true. What about the rental market? What's happening in that regard?
1: Um, rents are picking up now. They went down during some of the lockdowns in COVID, obviously. They went down much more in Melbourne than they did in Sydney. Um, but now they're really firming up again. They're starting to pick up because investors are now coming back into the market as well. They've been encouraged by the rent, rents picking up and yields improving. So they're coming back in as well.
0: But Melbourne seems to be the exception on so many fronts. I mean, the the average rent of an apartment in Melbourne is down
1: 8%. Yeah. In Melbourne, they've got a lot of oversupply of apartments in certain areas, like places like the Docklands. Yeah. and um, They've got a lot more apartments than people want to buy. Yeah. And just like in the Sydney CBD, people are moving away from the CBD for, you know, they they may go back again afterwards. Mm. But because we've got no overseas students, we've not got any migrants coming to the CBDs. So rents are really going down there as well.
0: And you've got a huge number of uh, short-term rental apartments, especially in the centre of Melbourne.
1: That's right. But rents in Melbourne are beginning to, you know, the decrease is beginning to slow. So we will see um, rents picking up in Melbourne as they are now doing in Sydney as well.
0: Because I was reading a report today that said that one of the problems in the future in Melbourne is that right now, because apartment prices are so depressed and because there is right now an oversupply, that developers have stopped developing new apartment blocks. They're concentrating on selling the apartments that they've got which means that they're saying in four or five years time there's going to be a shortage of apartments in Melbourne yeah
1: because there will be that time lag even when prices pick up and rents pick up
0: and people start coming back
1: yeah then it just takes a while to get the construction pipeline um in action really doesn't it
0: so we'll be heading for a total bounce on (laughs) rents and prices and yeah you know, an availability in the city of rental apartments is going to go down again, especially when tourists start coming back. Is this something that we just have to live with, this boom and bust constantly? and
1: in- well, I think that's capitalism, isn't it really? <laughs> Well, yeah. (laughs) That's what it's all about. But there's different
0: forms of capitalism. Mm. Uh, Do you think there needs to be more control over the housing market? Like, should the government be taking action to make sure that there is a constant supply of of housing for the future?
1: Well, the government has tried in some ways. I mean, they've got this, they've got lots of policies to help first home buyers into the market, you Mm. know, giving them grants. But a lot of those have dried up now. Yes that's right and and a lot of people argue that they really distort the market too because it means that first home buyers take advantage of a grant but it kind of pushes prices up even more really so that grant ends up in the pockets of people who are selling their homes to to the new first home buyers. What about negative gearing? So can theory? really inflate the market. Yeah, negative gearing. I mean, we've all we've been talking about negative gearing for a long, long time. And in New South Wales, it looks as if the negative gearing regime may be changing at some point. Well, the the, tra- the, New, South-
0: the New South Wales Treasurer has said in the past that uh, getting rid of negative gearing would be a sensible way forward. Mm-hmm. But of course, that's politically a very difficult pill for his party to swallow in the future because. They think they would lose votes if That's they, right. they cancelled negative gearing.
1: Um, because they kind of very much champion the mum and dad um, investors. Yeah. And those are the people who would be hit the hardest by that, really.
0: And also because they uh, attacked Labour over their p- plans the last election. Even though Labour's plan was to grandfather, as they call it, the existing uh, negative gearing, so that if you've got a negative negatively geared property, you can keep that. But the, the coalition just slammed them saying they're taking away your negative gearing and frightened a lot of people into not voting for Labour, which it's very hard for them to retreat from that now.
1: That's right. And when we're looking at prices going up so much, and um, when you get away from the supply chain, lots of people who already own property like those mum and dad investors are kind of having a ball really they're really enjoying it in melbourne prices have gone been going up pretty substantially as well yeah i mean they've hit record highs like houses now yeah the median price there in melbourne is 974000 right and apartments are 568000 so that's a a gap on average of um, 71% so less than sydney's 74% but it's still a big gap so we're going to see a lot more people buying apartments in Melbourne as well, and we kind of have to hope there's not going to be too many supply restrictions going forward because I guess we've reached a record difference in prices between apartments and houses in both cities and, in fact, all around Australia, really. But the gap will now start to shrink um, because affordability issues. So people just can't afford houses, so they're going to stop buying houses for a bit, some people. And um, apartments will, the, the increasing competition for apartments will drive those prices up. With investors coming back in the market as well as the first time buyers buying apartments, it means that the gap will, will narrow. So we'll probably never see again, I would think, this huge difference.
0: And we were talking to somebody the other day who's looking at buying property well outside the main centres. I mean, specifically Port Macquarie, but it's right up the east coast of Australia. The property prices there are just incredible in, in terms of, well, first of all, they're very low, but they're all being snapped up very quickly, apparently.
1: Yeah, and they're rising. The prices are rising very fast. I mean, you look at Byron Bay, the price is, the median price is now almost as high as the Sydney median price. It's incredible, isn't By it? they
0: their investment, you know, people are buying there so they can have a holiday home when they mm. want it, but they'll also let it out mm. um, because they know they'll always get people coming in. But, you know, in Port Macquarie, he was saying that every, all the properties are listed for auction, but they never get to auction.
1: Because people come in just the first time I, and just buy straight yeah. away, yeah. yeah. It's very hard, isn't it, really? I mean, I think in those areas, those coastal areas particularly, the real estate agents are having a wonderful time. Yeah. But you you kind of think the owners who are selling because they want to cash in on the market, they're going to make you know make a fair bit of money on their property, they still have to buy other property. But then I guess they're going to buy property further out. You know, maybe further away from Sydney, further up the coast, yeah. further away from the main cities on on the eastern coast. Yeah. And obviously Mornington Peninsula is doing hugely well as well. Prices are really rising there as well. Yeah. Um, many of those, you know, lifestyle destinations, it's all about lifestyle now. Yeah. Um, many of those are just going gangbusters, really. So people are moving further and further away from them because with remote working now, they can afford to work from home and they, they don't have to come into the cities so often, I'm doing a story for next week on somebody, <laughs> I still find this hard to believe, he's bought, he li- lived in Sydney and he's now bought a house in Hobart in Tasmania because... Tasmania is so fashionable now. Yeah. The lifestyle, people are really discovering it as a as a food and kind of pristine
0: and also environmental mecca. Yeah, and you can you know there's lots of activity there. You know, hiking and all Mm. that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and fresh air is really important. Now we realize that after COVID, really, he's actually bought a place in Hobart, and he's commuting to Sydney from Hobart. Wow. So he comes in once or twice every couple of weeks. But he reckons it's quicker to fly from Hobart to Sydney and drive to his job than it was to drive from the Blue Mountains where he lived at one point. Right, So it's quite incredible, isn't it, really? It's just a very different view of distance.
0: Yeah, i hate to think what his carbon footprint is now. I think (gasps) that might be increased quite a lot. (laughs) You know, I, I just can't help but thinking the negative gearing distorts the market More than anything, especially now that with short-term rentals becoming such a big part of the tourism industry. So that's a great opportunity to negatively gear your property or just make a profit. You know, you don't need to negatively gear. It's just politics getting in the way of good government Mm. again Mm. because it's only politics that's stopping people doing the sensible thing and saying we don't need negative gearing anymore to get Housing, where in fact we need to not have it.
1: That's right. So we can allow everybody to have one house. But really. our,
0: yeah, our politicians are just too gutless. Mm. To to, I mean, the Labour were going to do it and they got monstered for it, and because Scott Morrison monstered the Labour Party for it, now he can't do anything about it.
1: Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Really.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about a thorny little issue that's come up in the forum about. Uh, owners' corporations making donations to what are uh, effectively political campaigns. That's after this. And we are back. So we got this post on the forum. Somebody said, my owners' corporation made a donation to uh, what is effectively a political campaign campaign. Um, and I, I don't even know what their campaign was about but they said I don't agree with that donation but my money contributed to the donation through my levies it was taken out of the admin fund.
1: So was it a vote at an AGM or something where they decided? No or- I think it
0: was a committee the committee voted that they felt and it was you know it could have been to object to a building going up nearby or it could have been uh, pet legislation or something like that mm. anyway this flat chat member said i object to my my levies, levies being being used, being used for that purpose and i i'm probably in the minority but even so is this right
1: oh that's an interesting question isn't it really
0: yeah and just for the record our building has also done this recently and i remember thinking well i'm not entirely in favor but, you know, it seems to be they've decided, the majority have decided, so that's democracy. So I did a bit of digging around, and it turns out that this has actually gone to tribunals in Queensland and here in New South Wales. And the tribunal has said the admin fund can only be used for things that benefit the owners' corporation right, right? and, and its members. Kind of directly. Um, how directly is moot? For instance, if there was a building going up near your building and it was going to affect the value of the properties in your building, would that be a benefit to put money in a, into a campaign to object to that other building going up? It's, mm. I think, a valid argument to say, well, yeah, that would be of benefit to the owners. The other aspect of this is if you join a, an organisation like the Owners Corporation Network, yeah, is that of benefit to the building?
1: Well, you'd have to argue it would be because you'd be getting great advice from from them, and you'll be able to go onto their forum and ask questions and potentially save a lot of money. I mean, I know the forum can be used for you know people saying, "Does anybody know how I can do this mm. a bit cheaper?" Or do, does anyone know any other companies who can operate in this sphere? It's, it's an really educational useful. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: you could very well argue that it was to the benefit of the owners and of the owners' corporation. So we went to and fro on this a bit on the forum, and people can go and read that. It's all there. And then um, a special counsel, a man called Richard Dapage, who used to be a sponsor of the – or his company was. Um, his legal firm were sponsors of the FlatChat uh, website – he came on and said, this is illegal. Really? You should not be... Your owner's corporation should not be making contributions for anything apart from things that give a direct benefit to the owners. And he said, in buildings, you know, what do you do about this? The money's gone out. The, the funds have been spent on letters or leaflets or lawyers or whatever. What do you do if you find out that your building has done this illegally?
1: Right. So what did he say they should do?
0: Tell the strata manager to refund the money from their funds.
1: Oh, because the strata manager should have known better.
0: strata manager should have known better and should have said, <laughs> don't don't make this donation. Wow. It's illegal. And because the strata manager do- hasn't done that, then...
1: They're liable.
0: They're liable. They should, They should refund the money. Because you're not going to get it back from the campaign.
1: No, of course not. That's really interesting, isn't it? So that's been actually tried in court as well?
0: There's been a tribunal in Queensland and there's been a couple here in New South Wales where the member has said just quoted the law. It says the admin fund should only be used for the benefit of the owners corporation and the the building. You know, and And that's part of the thing that defines the difference between the admin fund and the sinking fund or the the maintenance fund, as it's called. Um, And and it says the admin fund should only be used for things that benefit the owners corporation and the owners.
1: Well, that's worth looking into, isn't it, really? But what about... I wonder how long it goes back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, What about where the owners... I don't want to get too specific, but... One of the ones we know about was supporting a campaign to establish the rights of owners' corporations to make their own bylaws. Right. And this yep. was all part of the whole pet thing. And they, also
1: Airbnb. And mm-hmm.
0: Airbnb. When the Supreme Court said that not the Supreme Court, the Court of Appeal. Court of Appeal said that blanket bans on pets were illegal, then a campaign started to support the right of owners' corporations to establish their own bylaws. What about if a majority of owners in a building want to support that?
1: Yes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe they should actually contribute from their own pockets.
0: Here's my theory. If you feel strongly as a committee or, or a chairperson or a secretary or whatever, you feel strongly that your building should be supporting this because it's some way indirectly beneficial, but not materially beneficial to the owners, I think you're in a unique position if you choose to communicate with your owners properly. And a lot of, as we know, a lot of uh, owners' corporations committee choose not to communicate with their owners at all. (laughs) But if you have those lines of communication open, you've got a golden opportunity to say to people hey, we want to contribute to this campaign. We think you should contribute to this campaign. We realize that some people don't want to contribute. They might disagree with this. But if you are in favor, how about putting some money into this fund? Yeah. Now, you could do that by saying, here's a donation page for the fund directly.
1: Yeah.
0: Or you could say, send some money to us and we'll pass it on as being from owners in this building or you could even make it a pledge where you say okay if you come back and pledge 20 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever that will come in your next levy statement. How oh, can you do that? I don't know. <laughs> it just seems like a good idea to it me. It does.
1: Yes. That, that's a that's a much better idea, isn't it? Because it it means those people who don't agree are not actually funding something they don't agree with, yeah. but the people who are committed are putting their money where their mouths are.
0: Yeah. In fact, you could have a building running two funds. <laughs> they could say, yeah, if one, you're in favour, yeah, mm. donate to this fund. If you're against it, donate to that fund.
1: wouldn't be very good for kind of community solidarity, would it, really?
0: But, oh, I, I disagree. Mean,
1: people, Well, people might have very heated opinions and that division will get wider and wider between them.
0: Oh, you're, st- you're not asking them to get involved in an argument. You just want them to give you money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do think... I mean, in the case I was thinking of uh, that affected us, I was annoyed. I didn't want to go to the barricades on it. Some people did want to go to the barricades on it, by the way. There were Mm. people in the building who were much more annoyed about it than we were but I actually thought well I don't particularly want my money but the going towards that but the actual amount of money you know which was something like 40 dollars or something in, in terms of our share it wasn't going to break the bank but I was still annoyed about it it would not it would have been less divisive for us to have got an email saying we think we should be supporting this we want you to support it if you agree send us some money
1: yeah, no, that's a good idea, Jimmy.
0: So I, t- I think that's actually builds community rather than undermines it. Mm. What undermines it is people taking decisions with which a large number of people don't agree.
1: Yeah, and a lack of transparency in that decision-making and too. And lack yeah. of
0: communication. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good, we've sorted that out.
1: Yeah, thank you, Richard, for your advice. <laughs> <It's> free. Yes.
0: <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk about another prickly issue, which is... Do strata committees have an obligation to enact and support their bylaws? That's after this. And we're back. And so this is another one from the forum. And it was just a throwaway line, uh, which reminded me of discussions we've had many times in the past on the forum about whether there is an obligation of strata committees to follow through on their bylaws and enforce their bylaws?
1: Well, I would have thought there would be, um, because what's the point of having bylaws if people aren't going to enforce them? Are you saying that maybe the bylaws would have fallen into, you know, people just not bothering with them anymore and, you know, kind of ignoring them? And was it kind of parking or would it be pets or...?
0: Well, there's a large part of the whole bylaw setup is signalling. You'd write your bylaws and... People come in and supposedly read the bylaws and they go, oh, these people are actively against noisy parties, or actively for pets or whatever. And so there is signaling to that degree. But these bylaws exist not just to let people know what's acceptable or not, but to stop them from behaving badly.
1: Mm.
0: It was a throwaway line in another post about another issue where somebody said, of course... There is no obligation on the Strata Committee to enforce the bylaws. That is not true.
1: Oh, so they do have to do it. There is a. When this
0: first came up, and it doesn't actually spell it out in the law that there is that obligation, but I called up Victor Dominello, who at that time was Fair Trading Minister, and I said, Is this true that there's no obligation? He referred me back to his speech for the second reading of what was then the new Strata Act. It's now six years old. And he said in it, it says that the owners corporation has a duty of care. Now, there are specific uh, sections of Strata law that say you can go to your committee and say, I want you to do this. And if they refuse to do it, or if they just don't do it within a certain time, it's section two three two brackets two of the oh, of Jimmy. the act <laughs> that you can then take them to tribunal and seek orders. Right. Now that means that can cover anything, right? But it means if you've got a bylaw about pets or parking, let's say parking, and the owners corporation Committee, the strata committee can't be bothered to chase up somebody who's parking in your parking space or parking in visitor parking space you can go to the the tribunal and say i asked them to fix this they either refused or just didn't do anything and the tribunal can then order right them to to do that now that doesn't mean it's not an automatic thing
1: Yeah, but so it would really um, be much more efficient if the committee did what it had to do in the first place.
0: Yeah, but, you know, there are no stratocops running around Mm. taking notes and saying, hey, you should have enforced this bylaw. It it does require the owners in the building individually and collectively to To take action. To say, this
1: needs to be done.
0: Yeah, because, you you know, we've all lived in buildings where bylaws have been in place, but people have ignored them. For instance, the last block we lived in but there was a couple who used to come down for the weekend and the first thing they'd do was burn off their barbecue right beneath our window (laughs) so they fire up the barbecue to maximum heat so they could burn off all the fat and oil and we complained and they ignored us and then we discovered there was a bylaw that had been there all the time
1: Mm. that said
0: you couldn't have a barbecue on your your balcony yeah and so that had as i say you know there was no stratocops running around but as soon as we complained about it then the committee looked and said we've got a bylaw about this and told them get the barbecue off the balcony yeah so uh, yeah but if they hadn't behaved so appallingly inconsiderately in the way they used their barbecue they've probably got away with it
1: yeah sure because they wouldn't have been bothering anyone really exactly
0: mm. exactly and that's how community works
1: Okay. Fantastic.
0: There we go. We've sorted out so many problems today. All we need now Apart from is.
1: from apartment prices and house prices.
0: Yeah, all we need now is the money to go and buy uh, a new apartment, uh, an <laughs> investment. <laughs> then we'll be fine. I won the lottery today, by the way.
1: Oh, again?
0: Yep, $8.25. Oh, Thank you very God. much.
1: Oh, my God. Well, that's nothing compared to your um, speeding ticket you got the other day.
0: Thank you, Sue. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the gap between apartment prices and house prices has nothing on the gap between the income your income from the lotto and your out,
0: outgoings, outgoings as speeding tickets yes exactly or the percentage difference between the speed i should be going and the speed That's i'm right. actually going
1: yes absolutely all right shocking
0: thanks for dobbing me in and thanks for coming along and chatting great jimmy and thank you all for listening Bye. bye bye Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Rap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flat-chat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Rap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again.